in a world filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! On today's show, the fear of the stock market is certainly high right now. Knowing the difference between saving and investing can help us make the right decisions for our financial future. We are drowning out the negative noise straight ahead. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome aboard for another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you along as we enter the uh, dog days of summer here in mid-August, but it is certainly not going to be a dull show today. I'm Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, and Janet Walker to my right. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. As we sit here and live stream on a Wednesday, it's a big day for the market, the market responding to some inflation news. And we're going to get to the savings versus investing question. In fact, we're going to use a question from a Get Ready for the Future show listener uh, that has something on his mind. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But we're going to start right now with some market talk with Quincy Crosby from LPL Research. She's the Chief Global Strategist at LPL. Good morning, Quincy. Hello. How are you? We are good. We are certainly glad to have you on the show for the first time. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, so we mentioned that inflation news. So let's start with that, with talking about the uh, the markets today. Inflation has certainly been the biggest troublemaker for economic growth over the past year. We've been watching that uh, go up and up and up. But the news that came out today, the data that came out today showed 8.5% for July. And that has been perceived at least so far for, by the markets as pretty good news. Help help us understand what you're seeing from those July numbers. Well, what was very helpful was, you know, we have uh, folks who are on Social Security understand this more than anybody. We have what we call headline inflation, right? And then we have core. And the headline inflation is made up of energy and food, correct? And so the core is much larger. The biggest percentage within core happens to be uh, rent. So we'll get to that in a minute. But what we saw all told is that it pulled back from that 9.1%, which really scared the bejesus out of the market last go around, and having it come down below 9% and even below what estimates were. The estimates going into this report actually had it coming in at 8.7%. It came in lower than that. And what that did was it showed that something is working, right? It showed that the direction of inflation is starting to come down. It's not fantastic. It's not great. But it's moving in the right direction. The wrong direction would have been had we had 9.2 or we had 9.1 again or even 9 would have, would have, I think, scared the daylights out of the market. But that it's moving in the right direction. Is it moving quickly enough? We will have to see. But there are anecdotal reports, not to mention actual data releases, suggesting that inflation is, in fact, pulling back. It's easing. Now, you got, we'll hear what the Fed has to say about this, but you know how the markets are. There's a market for everything. And there's actually a market for deciding what the Fed is going to do at its next meeting at the end of September. That report is actually called the Fed Funds Futures Market. That's the name of it. And it had, after that big, unbelievable surprise of a labor market, suggesting that the labor market is a healthy, healthy as can be, we went from a half a percentage 
point, which is what we say 50 basis points, to 75, meaning it's pretty hawkish, right? The, the market was pricing in at the end of September that the Fed would move up to 75 basis points, which is pretty hawkish. You know what happened after this report was released? It pulled back, 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 back down to 50. So there's a lot to go between now and the end of September. But as long as inflation is moving in the right direction, it could be that the Fed doesn't become dovish, meaning easy and oh, we're not worried about it, but they become less strident, less hawkish, less aggressive, even a little bit matters. So the market loved it. The U.S. dollar weakened as a result of this. And uh, when you have a weaker U.S. dollar, it's very helpful, by the way, for the S&P 500, given that they got about 30 percent of their earnings from overseas. A strong dollar is it hurts top line revenue growth. Now, if you want to travel and go overseas, you still have a pretty strong dollar vis-a-vis -vis the uh, British pound sterling or the euro. But nonetheless, here at home, the market loved it because it's moving in the right direction. Quincy, the, the markets have been, and, and frankly, all the commentators have been almost obsessed with this issue of are we in a recession or not in a recession? Are we or are we not? And I think Brian Westbury from First Trust said, if this is a recession, I want one all That's the right. time. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, when you look at strong uh, jobs, uh, when you look at strong consumer spending, when you look at good earnings on the market, uh, as far as the corporations are concerned, especially U.S. corporations, uh, I think you guys are, are pretty much in the ballpark that we could see a pretty soft landing in this economy. Absolutely. I mean, and as far as this year is concerned, we have been steadfast in, in claiming we will not be in a recession this year. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we would be like, oh, wait a minute, this is getting, the, uh, oh, are we correct? We have to go back to the basics. So we would say, go back to our knitting and, and come back and say, yes, we, we feel confident. The, the pillar of the United States economy is the labor market. That report that came out the, the last Friday was was. A, a blockbuster. Not only that, it was it was broad. Granted, there was more in healthcare and the more in education, but even even accepting that, it was broad based. Also, one thing I mean, the Fed does not want to see it had uh, wages moving higher. Uh, we had gone through three months where wages stayed stable and wages uh, moved higher. The why the reason the Fed doesn't like it is, by the way, how about I'm a company. And I see that, hey, Americans are doing well, right? Uh, I can raise prices, and I bet that it's going to stick. That, that's one reason central banks do not like to see wages rising dramatically, because then companies raise their prices, and you could get an entrenched, what we call, wage price spiral. And that's hard to break. That said, because the U.S. economy is based 70% on consumer spending, having that pillar, that strong pillar of a strong labor market, suggests how, how can you say you're in a recession it doesn't mean we don't respect those two quarters consecutive quarters of negative growth the sure we do it, it's a warning sign but when you look at the overall picture you have to say this economy has consumer spending this economy has people working and corporations as you said are doing well the pessimism coming into the second quarter earnings season was palpable and yet Companies, again, primarily because they have been able to pass along those costs, have done very well. Their top line revenue growth has been good. 
and their uh, earnings per share have, have held up. I wouldn't say it's stellar across the board, but certainly solid. Another thing, optimism in some of the guidance was, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're, we're, we're going to make our numbers for the end of the year. We saw a lot of that, and that helped the tenor of the market and underpinned this market coming off of the mid-June lows. Now, Quincy, you, you referenced jobs report a couple of times there just a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper on that. Let's talk about kind of where we are. The market has bounced back significantly off the lows that we set in June. And the big question that we keep hearing is, have we passed the worst of it or is there another downturn ahead? The jobs report last week just seemed to kind of muddy the waters for us. It was good news, but could also be seen as bad news. So help us understand the report and why it could be seen as bad news by the market. Market. Because, again, the worry in the market is that the Fed goes overboard in its, um, in its rate hikes. Um, you know, whenever we look at a recession, absent some shock to the United States, it's typically been a Fed that is raising rates too much too quickly. So that's the worry. The worry on part of the Fed is, wait a minute, you know, now we have the higher wages. We have gasoline prices coming down. What happens if Americans say, hey, this is a great time to go shopping, pay the higher prices because they've got extra money in their pockets because gasoline prices are down, Uh, again, the higher wages. Maybe the fear in the market is it fuels fuels more inflation. We we won't know, obviously, until we see some more reports. But how do I, I say this? This also, looking at, I don't want to be one of those economists that look on this hand and then that hand, but the other part of it is it gives the Fed the luxury of raising rates, having a strong labor market, because they had warned us before that labor market report uh, last week, they had warned us, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. We've got to to bring us to price stability. Uh, And by the way, the market does not want stagflation. It would rather have a recession mm-hmm. than a stagflationary environment, which just really hovers over everything. You can't make decisions. So, again, the bad news and the good news is that it just allows companies probably to raise prices more uh, they, and, and that we accept it. The hope the Fed had was that I turn around and say, gee, I'm not, I'm not paying that. That's crazy. I'm, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to wait for prices to come down. But maybe now I say, you know what? I have a little bit more in my pocket. I filled up the Suburban, yes, forgive me, we lived on a farm, uh, worried about the, not the state troopers getting us, but the deer getting us, uh, and uh, maybe, I have, maybe I have more money left over now to spend. Quincy Crosby, the chief global strategist of LPL Research, is our guest today on the Get Ready for the Future show. Quincy, we want to talk a little bit, you talked about the recession, we're, we're clear in our messaging that we don't think that's going to happen this year, but clearly there's going to be one around the corner at some point, and LPL Research put out some great information about what historically happens in the stock market during a recession. I think it's fascinating and very important to note the market and the economy don't always move in the same direction. So why is it important for investors to understand that? It's important because it sounds contradictory. It doesn't sound intuitive. Uh, The fact of the matter is that the market is not the same as the economy. And the economy is not the same as the market. Sometimes it overlaps. Yeah, sometimes it does. But we had a saying. I started off on a trading floor in, in, in New York. We had a saying, and that is that the market gets the news first. Hmm. That's a saying you will hear a lot. And what happens is the market sniffs out 
before the economy actually turns. It sniffs out whether or not the Fed is going to continue to raise rates. It sniffs out whether or not we're beating inflation. There are signals that we watch. And so the market picks up by the way we start investing, the sectors we moved into, uh, whether or not we are pulling out of a recession. And that's why sometimes at the tail end of a recession, you'll actually see the market climbing higher. And by the way, who decides when we're in a recession? It's the National Bureau of Economic Research, um, the NBER, and they won't tell you until about a year later. A year later, I hate to say this, I feel so guilty, we would start laughing. You know why? Because the economy (laughs) was doing really well, and so was the market. Quincy, today's show uh, on our show today is about the difference between saving and investing. And we are fond of saying that the economy matters, but what matters more to our clients and our listeners is their economy. What would you tell investors right now in terms of uh, where we are and what they need to be doing uh, with all this noise in the market right now, with all this noise in the, in the public sphere? What do investors need to be focused on? They will need to be focused on their own situation. You know, when we look at the consumer sentiment reports, it's very interesting because consumers will say, oh, things are horrible, they're terrible. And then when we look at consumer spending, we see that they're spending. So we always say, uh, it's not what they say, it's what they do that counts. So when you look at your own situation, see how much money you would need to survive if you did lose your job. Because it could happen. You know, when we go into a recession, it isn't as if we'll never have a recession. Of course we will. A recession actually helps clean out things. As bad as it sounds, it cleans out the froth in the market. It cleans out companies that raise too much money and really shouldn't even be around anymore. We call them zombie companies. However, if you get caught in that vortex and lose your job, you need to have the cash to keep you going. And that is extremely important to pay your mortgage, to pay your credit card bills, to go to the filling station. Uh, That said, investing is different, right? Investing for the long term allows you, if you have dividend paying stocks, to compound them and compound them. Or if you need to use them to say, now I wanna take uh, the dividends to help augment uh, my my for my living expenses. So uh, uh, again, what this downturn in the market has done, it's presented tremendous opportunities uh, where the best stocks, the stocks we know that are going to lead us out of here, the stocks that typically do very well, they're on sale. But I would say, you know, you can't look every single day because you have to expect the zigzags in the market, especially a market like this, where we still have the Fed fighting inflation. You know, when the Fed cuts rates, by the way, we always say, don't fight the Fed. You're not smarter than the Fed. The Fed is pushing liquidity into the market. That's the same as oxygen, when you need oxygen as an individual. However, when the Fed is tightening, make sure you respect what the Fed is doing. It can cause issues along the way. It's not an exact science. So what we hope is, by the way, is that the Fed can get us to price stability, bringing those rates down, bringing inflation down, and not causing a recession. Uh, But whenever the Fed historically does start moving, uh, we we get into a recession, and and folks do lose their jobs. So again, have the cash that you need. Have the cash you need. You never know when you're going to need cash. And, And that goes, it doesn't matter when we have this conversation, it's just the way it is. 
Good reminders, great perspective, and uh, we're just about out of time. So, Quincy, thanks again for joining us uh, on the Get Ready for the Future show, our first interview with you, and I'm sure it's the first of many to come. Thank you kindly. I appreciate it. And you know what? We will get through this. Make no mistake about it. Thank you. All right. Quincy Quarsby, the chief global strategist from LPL Research, joining us on the Get Ready for the Future show as we talk about the difference between saving and investing today. I thought she really identified it very, very well. And you do have to have a separate mindset when it comes to that. And we're going to kind of talk through that today using a question from one of our listeners, Ralph from Conway, sent a question into our team. And I'm just going to read it. And then we're going to kind of respond to it and kind of use that as the basis for where we go from here on the show today. It says, Dear Get Ready for the Future Show, I listen to your show each week and appreciate the straight talk you give us on investments. Here's my situation. And we bullet pointed this out for you. I have been diligently saving in my 401k plan with my employer for the past few years. I am 55 years old and trying to finish strong in my run up to retirement. I know that I need to keep building my retirement savings, but with everything going on with the stock market, it has me questioning whether that is now a good idea. I have more than enough income and believe it may be better for me to save that extra income rather than investing it in a stock market that has already caused me to lose more than 10% of my retirement dollars so far this year. What would be your guidance in my situation. A lot to unpack there in Ralph's question, which, by the way, is very common to other people in his boat. I really think you need to know that, Ralph, for sure, yeah. because we get those questions, those type of questions all the time in client meeting rooms here at GenWealth. Well, let's start by saying, Ralph, we don't have a complete picture of your financial situation. So when we do respond here and unpack this, we're going to be talking generally. But it does get into, guys, this saving versus investing question and and that's how it's phrased to us quite frankly especially when you're you know when you're younger and and you're not immune to being fearful of the stock market just because you're younger that does happen but i think it is easier to have the perspective of i've got time to make this up when you're 55 that's the mindset is my accounts are down and i don't have the time to make it up well, I, I think time really is one of the key points that we need to talk about yep. on this, because even though Ralph is 55, I, I, we don't know what his time horizon is to retirement. Let's say it's 60 or it's 65. He's got five or 10 years, probably. In most cases, you've got at least five or 10 years before you're looking at retirement. And in that situation, it is, it's really easy to look at where we are right now in the markets and feel like, okay, I'm down. And he even says, I'm down. Mm-hmm. I've lost more than 10% of my retirement dollars so far this year. I understand what it looks like on the statement. But I would say that you have to give it a little bit more time. I had a very similar conversation uh, with some clients of ours just yesterday about this. And I think that the verbiage is very helpful in understanding this. The wife had called a few months back, calling to say, please make me feel better about you know where we are because we were kind of at an ugly point in the long-term buckets. Remember that we separate assets based on when you're going to use them. So those long-term buckets looked kind of ugly. And she was calling to go, hey, should we go to cash or are we okay? We coached her through, and you guys know the answer. The answer was, let's leave that alone. We're okay. Let's give it time. And so the husband was asking, like, how do we know in this relationship that we have with you as a financial advisor, like, is it our role to say, no, move it to cash, 
or are you going to coach us off the ledge every time? Or like, how does what it, what should our expectations be? Um, because my wife, in hindsight, was thinking she's right, and I said, okay, I think you just hit on the key right there. I don't think we're in hindsight yet. I think we're still in the midst of the storm, and that's where Ralph is. He's seeing this ten percent down, but we're not past the downturn and fully into the upswing guys i'm going to give you a little pop quiz here okay it's just colors we, okay. we know our colors right okay. so i've got up on my phone i've got the s&p 500 over the past year what color is that chart very red it's red. very red but if we look at it over two years what color is that chart Green. It's yeah. green. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that another year down the road that Ralph is going to be for sure in green. I don't know. But the point is, these are retirement dollars. It's mm-hmm. not your savings. Mm-hmm. It's your investment, and it's for retirement. And the point we made with this couple yesterday, in their case, they had over $60,000 of dividends that got, has been reinvested during this time when the market has been down. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're buying shares, even with them not putting new money of their own in it, we're buying shares, new shares along the way. And so when the market comes back up, I say the market generically, when their investments come back up to even the same dollar per share value as they had before, they will have more money. But we have to give it time and let it get into hindsight. Well, and the other thing I want to point out to Ralph here is that Ralph may think he's got five or 10 years before uh, he retires, and therefore mm-hmm. that's his investment timeline. Mm-hmm. Ralph has way longer than that. Yeah. Ralph likely will live into his 80s, maybe his 90s. And I don't know anything about Ralph, obviously, in person. But statistically speaking, yep. he will live into his late 70s to his early 90s. And that is actually his time horizon for equity money that is going to be invested. Look, we have a rule here at GenWealth is that you don't invest money in the equities market that you're going to need in the next 10 years, at very minimum, more like about 15 years. So the money that Ralph would be committing today would be money that he might use over in the middle to the late term of his retirement. Mm-hmm. And what you have to look at there is not where the market is going to be next week, next month, or next year, but where is the market likely to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now? If your answer to that, oh yeah, it's likely going to be higher, then you probably need to go ahead and invest that money, continue to invest that money in your 401k plan. Now, I say all that, but let's let's put that in parentheses for just a second. The first question that I would have for Ralph is, what does your emergency fund look like? Yeah. What does your balance of cash look like? Do you have about three to six months of expenses set aside for emergencies? And do you have a cushion of cash in your 401k plan that if you suddenly had to retire, you could draw from that cash for a year before you actually got into any kind of investments? So that, again, is the perception I'm sorry, the, the perspective that, that Ralph needs to have on this, it's not about what's going on in the market right now. It's about what's going on in the market 15 years from now if you're making equity investments. It is a, it is a natural change in mindset for people walking up on retirement mm-hmm. to know they are moving from accumulating dollars to spending dollars, yes. right? That, that, and that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. very true that that's about to happen. But I think what you guys are hitting on here is – retirement, your retirement date is not the finish line. 
It is a threshold that you are going to pass through and continue to live and continue to need money and income. So a component of your assets still needs to be invested in equities for long-term growth. I'm sorry. Here's the key to this. Yes, you are going to start spending your dollars five or 10 years from now, but you're not going to spend all your dollars five or 10 years from now. So you can deploy some of those dollars out to work for you long term. So in in his case, Ralph is 55 and he's probably still a few years out from retirement. But we have people who are retiring this year at GenWealth and they are in the midst of, you know, whether it winds up being a recession or not, whatever, they're in the midst of a market that doesn't look so great and they're still making the decision to retire. Well, how do you do that? How, how do you do that and sleep at night? The answer, in our opinion, is making sure that you have a guaranteed income source for the things that you have to have in your retirement, your required expenses, but then to segment those other assets based on the timeline of when you're going to need them. So that, again, talking about the hindsight thing, some of these dollars, we need to give them time and let this storm be in hindsight before we use them. But other dollars, we can invest them more conservatively and use them in the short term. So as the guys have said, really that that horizon as far as the timeline to retirement is not just the first date of retirement. I'm going to bring up uh, the I word here, and, and, and Quisley was talking about it, inflation, inflation, mm-hmm. inflation. Mm-hmm. I believe, and this is just kind of a, uh, an instinctive thing on my part after being here for 30 plus years in the investment business, I have seen high inflation, I've seen low inflation, and I think inflation is one of those cyclical things that, that really runs over like multi-decade yes. cycles as opposed to year to year or something like that. But I think we are probably in for a relatively elevated level of inflation. I don't think it's going to be in the 9 8 9% range like we have been dealing with in the last few months, but I do believe that inflation is going to be something that is going to be elevated above the 2%, uh, almost benign inflation that we've had for the last probably 20 years or so. Things change when you have interest rates go up, inflation going up, mm-hmm. all of those things uh, you've got to be prepared for. And I go back to the thing, Scott, that we've said on the show many, many times is that there are only two asset classes that people have traditionally invested in that have kept them ahead of inflation. One of those is real estate, but the other is the equities market. So that's the huge risk there if you if Ralph's concern and as many others like him is fear of the stock market right now as you get on to get closer to that retirement finish line which is really just a pass through it is easy to start thinking I don't want to risk my dollars right. but that's the risk you accept and trade off if you don't invest in something for long-term growth is you won't be able to keep up your purchasing power over time yeah just think about if your income stopped when you started to retire in terms of not increasing anymore. You had the same income today. Let's say that you have 10 years from now or 15 years from now, the inflation will kill you in that situation. You know, there are things that that are just naturally going to go up in price. And if you don't have a plan to increase your income over time in retirement, then you really have got a bigger problem than you would ever have in risk in the stock market. 
Scott, if we have other listeners out there like Ralph who have a question for us yeah. here at the Get Ready for the Future show, how do they get that to us? Yeah, they can. Well, they can obviously email us if they'd like, but they can also on the live stream uh, reach out and put it in the comment section of Facebook. So there's a lot of different ways. Our website, by the way, is in or the email, I, re- I should say, is info at getreadyforthefuture.com. You can look for Genwell Financial Advisors on our on for on Facebook and uh, join our live stream and put a comment in that section as well. We live stream on Wednesdays at 11:30. So really when you get back to this uh, savings versus investing question, I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk about it. And I always feel like I think better when I'm listening to you and <laughs> then I can come up with what I want to say next, but really both are savings, right? Yes. Yes. Every dollar that you don't spend today or or let's stretch it out to a month. Every dollar that doesn't get sent out of your account because it is allocated to pay an expense is a savings dollar, right? So it's really about creating, when you talk about the plan, it comes back to the plan of where are you allocating each extra dollar you have. So it's all savings. Investing is is done with money you save, but it's determining how much you put aside for an emergency right. fund and keep in cash. John's fond of calling it dry powder for use if you have to replace something unexpectedly because you don't want that at risk because you mm-hmm. don't know. If you if your emergency fund was uh, put in place in January of 2022 and you decided to invest all of that, then you don't have enough money to cover those expenses right now because right. it's That's likely right. down. So that does need to be a savings that is not invested. But what we're talking about is an investment for your longer-term future for all the reasons that we pointed out, battling inflation and being able to increase your income in retirement. Scott, you put that very perfectly. Let me add one other thing to uh, the way that people can actually contact us if you have questions, and I love to get these on text. So our Mm. text number here is 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228. So you can text us really at any time. The show doesn't have to be on the air. You can right. text us anytime. We will get those and we will include those in our show. Janet, I love to do this because now we're getting to where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. This is the real questions that are out there. So I want to really encourage our listeners to take advantage of email info at get ready for the future.com or text us at 501-381-5228. I'll go old school on you here for a minute. There was a time when John, you and I were doing the show live every Saturday mm-hmm. and we had calls every week because yes. people were listening and they're like, I need to ask them about, you know, whatever. And at, we love that part of the show. So just 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 blow us up with your questions you know text email whatever you want to do send them our way we would love to do that i think it means more even to other listeners when they hear you know joe from conway or whoever it might be to go hey what about this it sounds more personable to them so you help us make it a better show by sending in your questions hey look there are self-help podcasts and and broadcasts all across this country that people are attracted to because why they see themselves in that caller or in that uh, that, right. that person that's asking a question. Well, this way, you can have it at your leisure, 24-7, 365. Email us at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or text us at 501-381-5228. Scott, it really is the 
part of the gen wealth difference. The mm-hmm. gen wealth difference is that we are education driven, strategy based, and team delivered. The education driven part of this is why this radio show exists. It's why Janet and I decided, what was it, 16 years ago yeah. that we were going to start doing this show? We felt like that there was so much more to investing in retirement than just having a product and, and just walking in someplace and saying, here, here's my money. Tell me what you want to do with it. Right. And then they, they take off with that. Yeah. I think that, that if you're an educated uh, listener or if you're an educated client, then you're going to really be involved and engaged in what's going on, and you'll feel more comfortable about it as time goes on. Every investor needs to understand on some level the why. Yes. Yeah. What, why yeah. they're doing what they're doing. And, and when you have a written financial plan, a written retirement income plan, if you forget the why, you've got a binder to go back and look at it, right? And it's a reminder. And of course, the ongoing relationship with the financial advisor helps as well. Uh, ongoing meetings at least once a year to review that plan. I will say this, Scott, that, that the plan is important, but the, a well-constructed plan that anticipates yes things like we've been through. One of the reasons why if you call us, we're not here going, oh my gosh, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do some investigating on this and that because we've been here before. We've seen this. We understand what's going on. We have resources like uh, the LPL Research Department and Quincy Crosby to Mm -hmm. help us understand more about what's going on in the economy and the markets and how to apply that to your personal financial situation. It is all about being education-driven and strategy-based. The third thing here is being team-delivered. We have a team of people that work together on your financial plan when you come in you deserve to be heard and you deserve to be served. We want to do that here at Gen Wealth. Thank you, by the way, for mentioning the text as an option to questions. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. <laughs> I've said that number 150,000 times. And I'm going to say it again in a minute on my final thought. You heard the bell. Janet, we'll start with you. So I would just say that if your your plan for financial independence, if you feel like it has been interrupted by you know the, the markets, again, we use that generically, but how your investments have performed, then I think it's important to determine whether or not you really have a plan or whether you have a group of investments. Your plan needs to take things into account like this. Um, When I was doing a review this week, this couple uh, was able to see, based on the performance of these different segments, this is bucket one, this is bucket two, this is bucket three. They could see the difference because the plan is doing what the plan is supposed to do. So be sure that you have a plan that takes into account account where you want to be for your retirement along the way, even though the road might be bumpy between here and there. I think that if you think about the common thing that everybody needs to understand in a market like this is that time heals all the wounds that you might get in the market. It has for for years and years. The longer you invest, the higher the probability that you're going to have a positive rate of return. And statistics show that 15 years, you're going to have a positive rate of return in the market. That's at least what history has shown. And history is not necessarily indicative of the future, but it is what we can count on as far as a research tool is concerned. So when you think about that, you have to think about the segmented uh, things that Janet has talked about in the market and commit the equities to that long term and let them uh, run their course. What are your chances of a successful retirement? Get started for free. Visit 15minuteretirement.com or text the word CHECKUP to that number 501-381-5228.
And that is all the time we have for this week's show. Again, we thank you for being with us. And our thanks again to Quincy Crosby from LPL, the chief global strategist, her joining us today as well with her insight and perspective. And we hope you'll join us again next week for another show. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.